0: Hello, I'm Drew Cat And I'm Mike Shaw. And welcome back to EdChoice Chats. Today, we're discussing a new Ed Choice Brief, exploring New Hampshire's private education sector. Mike and I surveyed leaders of New Hampshire private schools on a range of topics, which we are excited to discuss today with Jason Bedrick, EdChoice's Director of Policy. Jason previously served as a legislator in the New Hampshire House of Representatives, and was an education policy research fellow at the Josiah Bartlett Center for Public Policy. So, Jason, would you say you know a little bit about New Hampshire? A little bit, yes. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Yeah, thanks for being on. And before we get into this new research, Jason, would you tell our listeners what educational choice options New Hampshire currently provides parents?
1: Absolutely. So, in addition to charter schools and inter-district choice, uh, there are two private school choice programs in New Hampshire. Uh, One, which was recently clarified in law, but uh, essentially has been operating for more than a century, is what's called town tuitioning. Uh, So what that means is in districts that don't have a public school for certain grades, often because they're very small towns and they just simply can't sustain it, usually they would contract with another public school, but in this case, the town allows the students to use public funding that they otherwise would have allocated for that student to attend a public school instead to attend a private school of the parent's choice. Uh, so that's uh, a program that again was recently clarified in law. Uh, the other program that they have is the uh, education tax credit or what we call a tax credit scholarship program. Uh, so in this case, businesses and, and as of this year, uh, individuals can receive 85% tax credits against the business profit tax in the case of corporations or against the interest and dividends tax in the case of individuals uh, when they make a donation to a nonprofit scholarship organization. And these scholarship organizations can aid families uh, earning up to 300% of the federal poverty line, which is about the median income in the state of New Hampshire. Uh, to attend the school of their choice or actually to cover uh, certain homeschooling expenses. And New Hampshire is the only tax credit scholarship program in the country that's that expansive in terms of the uses.
0: Yeah, and that's awesome. I'm sure parents love having that flexibility. And we did ask private school leaders about their awareness of tax credit scholarships and education savings accounts. About half of New Hampshire private schools know about the concept of education savings accounts, or ESAs, and about half are familiar with tax credit scholarships, the type of program you mentioned New Hampshire already has. How would you say awareness is locally of these types of school choice options among both schools and families? Could you maybe describe some of the efforts on the ground to educate both school leaders and parents about choice programs? Right. So in terms of the, the education savings account,
1: uh, again, that, that's not a program they have yet, but there was legislation this year. And so it was uh, in the news very often. And uh, so that's, I think, a lot of the awareness of the program was driven primarily by the, the media coverage. Um, I, I'll be honest, I was a little disappointed with the finding that, that only about half of the schools were aware of the tax credit program. Uh, it has been around for five years. Uh, you know, it was enacted in 2012, and then uh, went into effect in 2013. Uh, there are only two tax credit uh, scholarship organizations operating in the state, uh, but I was I was hopeful that there would uh, be greater penetration in terms of uh, the number of schools that that would find it that find out about it. I know that the those uh, scholarship organizations are doing their own outreach among the schools. I know that they've held events. Uh, I know that, uh, you know, there there was actually at the time quite a bit of media coverage both then and this year because of the expansion of the program. Uh, So it it is a bit frustrating and and shows that there uh, there's certainly an opportunity for uh, activists, uh, school choice groups, uh, and the scholarship organizations themselves to raise awareness among the schools about the options.
2: That's really interesting context, Jason. And I know that numbers probably seem low, especially considering the the uh, the schools are the ones who uh, get the students for these programs, but it is worth noting that at least these numbers were twice as high on the awareness levels as uh, Drew. I believe your voter polls showed in twenty seventeen. So, um, you know, there may be even more work to inform voters, uh, parents, and families about these options.
1: Certainly, I mean, but then again, voters include um, you know folks that don't have school age children uh, and. Uh, you would expect that the the schools that are you know in this field would be more aware of the programs, but again, there there are fifty one participating schools in the past year, uh, and all of the tax credit uh, donations that uh, were collected were used for kids. So, uh, you know, it might make sense that the scholarship organizations are trying to spend more time uh, raising funds at this point than they are. Uh, raising awareness among schools that they then would not have the funds to fund those scholarships. Uh, so it is, you know, of course there's this allocation of resources issue.
2: Definitely getting back to the the data in this survey, they show high percentages of New Hampshire private schools saying they would or probably would participate in both these types of programs, the tax credit scholarships or the ESAs. Um, definitely a positive finding for school choice advocates one thing that does hold private school leaders back is the potential burden of certain regulations that come with these programs, though. I know they differ from state to state, um, but I'm curious, Jason, what are, the, what are you hearing from private school leaders in New Hampshire in terms of their concerns with choice programs in general, um, both potential new ones and the existing ones that uh, that take hold in New Hampshire?
1: Well, I mean, first, just to give a bit of a national perspective, I and mean, this, is, this is something that school leaders across the country in survey after survey have expressed concerns with, and uh, I think legitimately so. Uh, and we've seen, uh, for example, there was a, a survey a few years ago by uh, the American Enterprise Institute in three different states, and we saw that uh, in Louisiana, which was a very highly regulated state, there were a lot fewer school leaders that were willing to participate in the program for that exact reason. Whereas in in Indiana and Florida, which uh, did not have the same level of owners regulations, uh, many more schools were willing to participate. Uh, And this, I think, uh, is the same pattern in New Hampshire. Uh, The concerns are are more about the potential for regulation than the actual regulations in the program. Uh, The three types of regulations that school leaders tend to uh, be concerned about nationwide are, uh, first, price controls. Uh, There are no price controls here. Uh, second, uh, testing, especially mandating the state test. Uh, most of these schools are already providing one of a variety of different nationally norm reference tests, but they don't want to, they, you know, they have one that's already aligned to the curriculum that they've decided to, to go with. They don't want to have, feel like they're stuck basically going with the state curriculum in terms of sequencing and the types of things that are taught. So they don't want to have the state test mandated. Uh, there is no uh, mandated test here. Uh, and uh, third, they're, they're often concerned with regulations that would affect the character of their school. Um, they want to uh, be able to choose students that are the right fit for their school, and uh, there's nothing in this law that requires, say, open enrollment, uh, as we've seen in some voucher programs in other states. So the, the types of regulations that schools tend to be concerned about uh, do not exist in New Hampshire. And so I think that's why we see very high rates of private school leaders saying that they'd be willing to participate in the program.
2: And I'm glad you explained it that way, because those sorts of regulations you you listed were also the ones that private school leaders in New Hampshire listed as well, even though they don't necessarily pertain to the tax credit scholarship program as a whole, but they always have to be uh, wary of potential future regulations Uh, For those interested, you can check out the full survey at edchoice.org and see the listing of all sorts of regulations that were listed by private school leaders. Um, One of the lowest ones, actually, lowest rated regulations on that list was uh, pertaining to enrollment. And what I found interesting about that finding, at least in relation to the open comment sections in the survey, is a lot of private school leaders want these sorts of programs to be open to all students, not simply low income or special needs as um, the proposed ESA got into uh, this past session. So that's an interesting look for full expansive school choice.
1: And and by the way, in that regard, they match the general public, which Mm. is always in survey after survey much more supportive of a program that, like the public school system, is open to all children as opposed to one that is narrowly tailored to certain um, segments of the population.
2: Right, and people tend to argue about those sorts of um, eligibility, uh, eligibility criteria nationwide. Uh, we hear people say there's not enough space in private schools to fill the demand choice programs create, um, and that's even with smaller scale programs, nevertheless a, a totally universal program. Um, do you hear some of those same claims locally? and? Uh, could you give us a sense of the local sentiment before we talk enrollment numbers?
1: I mean, in terms of the, the, the arguments against school choice that, that we heard in, in the past year, uh, it's uh, everything, right? The, the, they just throw up a bunch of spaghetti against the wall and, and see what sticks. So, I mean, certainly you did have some of these arguments that, uh, well— this is only going to help students that are already going to private school. It's not going to help new students. Uh, our survey—you can get into the data yourself—but you know, our, our, our survey finds that actually there are a whole bunch of open seats already, uh, and that's before you get into the supply-side effects, uh, where there's um, you know an expansion of supply uh, in response to the school choice program. So even if that uh, weren't to occur. Uh, right now, you only have uh, about 330 students participating in the program, uh, in the in the tax credit scholarship program. Uh, but I believe you found more than uh, 2,500 open seats uh, just among um, the people who participated in the survey. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, actually. So when it comes to the question of whether there's enough supply to meet demand, we did find that they have at least 2,063 open seats. And the caveat to that is that's only the schools that responded to the survey. Now, if we look at like some overall state projected enrollments from the Private School Universe Survey through the National Center on Education Statistics, and looking at those enrollment numbers compared to the enrollment of students that was signified by the survey responses, we can project that there are... About 10,500 open seats across the entire state and private schools. Now, Jason, how did you react when you first learned about these numbers? I I was
1: shocked that there were that many open seats available. I think that is something that most policymakers – I certainly wasn't aware of it. I I imagine most policymakers weren't aware of it. I mean, there hasn't been any research like this before in the state, so it was all just speculation – uh, but just the fact that there are so many open seats already just just goes to show that uh, this is a, you know, if they were to enact an education savings account, uh, it's a program that actually could scale up rather quickly, um, much faster even than, than in many other states that I've seen.
2: Definitely. Uh, I'm really glad Drew kind of talked about the, the variance and the the estimates. You know, this this survey of ours uh as far as the response rate was a little on the, the lower end as far as um, percent of schools responding, uh, we kind of think the three to four nor'easters or so during the late winter, early spring may have had something to do with that in uh, good old New England. But nevertheless, we had a very, very high completion rate within that. So we're pretty happy with those results um, related to uh, garnering open seats and other data points. Pivoting to questions of inclusiveness in private schools, we found that 70 percent of New Hampshire private schools serve students with special needs. At least one serves students with special uh, students exclusively. Uh, at least one serves students with special needs exclusively. So, Jason, how does that mesh with what you experienced with families on the ground?
1: Yeah, that sounds about right. And, I, and actually, I, I am aware that there are um, – there are a bunch. I mean, there are about a dozen at least of schools that, that that focus on students with special needs in New Hampshire. I know that we only had one uh, exclusive in the, in the survey, uh, but there are a number of them. Uh, and there are many schools that, that uh, provide opportunities for students with a wide variety of different special needs to attend. Uh, and yes, it's 70 it's percent, um, you know, so some say, well, what about the other 30 percent? Well, the, the question isn't uh, whether every single school is uh, the right fit for every single student. The, the, what we want is that every single student has access to a school that is the right fit. And for that matter, even public schools aren't always the right fit for every type of student with with, with various special needs. Uh, you, you may have public schools that uh, can, can handle students with relatively mild special needs, um, but uh, students that are, you know, have... Um, Cerebral palsy, let's say, or um, uh, Down syndrome. Some schools are not equipped to handle it. And already, and this is a long-standing practice in New Hampshire, uh, that a a school district would pay either another public school district or a recent Granite State um, Granite Institute report uh, found that there are long-standing contracts that districts have with private schools, including religious schools to educate students with special needs when that district is not able to meet that child's needs. So this is a longstanding practice in New Hampshire. And uh, it's gratifying, I would say, to see that there are so many uh, opportunities available for students with
0: special needs. Yeah. And that's also, I'd like to point out that it's not to say that the, the 30% of schools that don't currently enroll students with special needs wouldn't. It's just that they don't at the moment.
2: That was a really good way of kind of contextualizing inclusiveness regarding special needs students in these private schools. Um, but as I'm sure parents know, uh, attending schools and being included in private education also can cost money. So we tried to survey schools about tuition. Uh, we were we see a lot of people are surprised to learn what median tuition rates are for their state's private schools. There's often this general sense that private schools are only for the super wealthy and our data show that there are some outlier schools that definitely would fit that mold, costing upward of forty grand a year. But the median cost to attend a private school in New Hampshire is actually only seven thousand five hundred dollars a year. Um, on top of that, we found eighty-two percent of private schools offer their families financial assistance, things like scholarships and the like, in addition to the existing tax-based scholarships to attend their schools. Um, Jason, I want our listeners to have some more context on these uh, financial numbers. How much do New Hampshire schools spend per pupil each year? We're talking uh, the, the public district schools.
1: All right, so in terms of uh, current expenditures, not total expenditures, uh, for fiscal year 2015, it was just under uh, $1,500, uh, $15,000 rather, per pupil. Uh, and it's probably higher than that uh, now. Uh, so in other words, the, the median private school tuition in New Hampshire is about half of what uh, the operational costs are at the district schools. Uh, and as you noted, a lot of these schools do, that's the sticker price. A lot of these schools offer financial aid. So you, you mentioned uh, schools that that cost you know in excess of like $40,000 a year. Uh, I can think of two of them. Uh, for example, uh, Phillips Exeter, and St. Paul's. Uh, these are you know, world-renowned uh, private schools. Both of those schools offer um, a, a, a benefits package that means that anybody earning from a family where with the with their, with their parents earn less than $150,000 a year don't pay a dime in, in terms of tuition. Uh, but, uh, right, so... You know, Really, if you're talking about uh, low-income families, if you were to rerun these numbers and factor in all of the um, financial aid that these private schools are providing, uh, instead of those being outliers on the one end of $40,000, which is raising the median tuition, it would actually be the outlier on the other end because for a low-income or even a middle-income family, it's going to be zero dollars in terms of tuition. So that would further drive down that uh, that median. And there are a number of schools that, that do that or provide, you know, obviously less generous, but also still quite generous financial aid packages. So the combination of the financial aid and either an education savings account or a tax credit scholarship means that uh, even for your average low-income family, these schools are within financial reach if they have access to these school choice programs.
0: Yeah, that... That was really surprising to me, Jason, about those two schools. That makes me really uh, think about potentially moving to New Hampshire in six years or so when I have a child that's entering the K-12 system. So before we sign off, is there anything else that you would like to add? Well, look,
1: this has been a a big year for New Hampshire. A gratifying year in some ways, a disappointing year in other ways. They did uh, expand their tax credit scholarship program. It's a very popular program, uh, you know, in terms of how the voters perceive it, and also uh, the year after year after year, when they do a survey of the participating families, uh, usually it's north of 95, sometimes even 98 percent saying that they're satisfied with the school that they have chosen uh, with the scholarship. Uh, and a very and this is a very low income population, and a very high percentage of them say that if not for the program, their, their child would be attending their, their local assigned um, district school. So uh, it's, it's gratifying to see that there's been some movement. It was disappointing that the ESA did not pass. Uh, it did pass the Senate. It uh, passed the House Education Committee. It passed the full house once. It had the support of the speaker, It had the support of the governor. Uh, lots of key legislators. Uh, it just at the end, uh, after coming out of the finance committee, they voted interim study. So they're going to be, they didn't kill it, uh, but they are going to be looking at it further and coming up possibly with uh, new legislation next year. Uh, but that's the furthest that an ESA bill has ever gone in the state. It's, uh, this is just the beginning of the journey. Uh, and it's clear that New Hampshire voters, uh, and especially New Hampshire parents, want more educational opportunities for their children
0: awesome thank you so much jason Thanks for having me well that's all for this episode thanks again to our listeners for tuning in as always be sure to subscribe for more ed choice chats and we'll catch you next time take care